We have spent this month studying the things that we are thankful for. And I guess as we study these things, you have to study the things that I'm thankful for because I write the sermons. So uh, today I'd like for you to consider this. I'm thankful this third week of, of November for the people who are not in my adult Bible class. Now that sounds weird, I know, uh, but but the fact of the matter is 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 right. I, I'm thankful for those who are not in my class because every week our congregation has different and distinctive classes for folks who are just freshly born, all the way up to those who are uh, our oldest members here. I get a chance every week. To see the same group of folks because I teach the adult class. Now, number one, that's not a complaint. I'm glad and happy to see those folks. But there are other classes sometimes that I forget about because I'm so concentrated either on Matthew or the Minor Prophets or this thing or that thing. And and I just assume that those classes... And those groups are being taken care of. You ever ask yourself, why do we offer those classes? Why would we? Why would we do that? Well, I think it's several fold. One of those. One reason is because each group learns in very distinctively and different ways, and they're going to have to learn different portions of God's word. For example, our newborns. If you've ever been in the cradle row class, you had better be prepared to sing for 45 minutes and sing and sing and sing. Why? Because these children are learning the basic fundamentals of some biblical principles and some biblical uh, accounts, and they're learning those through the repetition of song. Matter of fact, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, Matthew chapter 5. Verses 13 through 16. Uh, there was a little boy David down by a babbling brook. First Kings, or our first, uh, second Samuel, I'm sorry. You, you'll find these, these songs that they sing full of scripture, although they may never mention it. Then you have the four and four and five year old class who will be exposed to more truth than just found in those songs. And if you ever get an opportunity to teach those four and five year old class, here's what they really like. And so Samuel comes to Saul and said, why didn't you follow what God said to do? And he said, we did. And Samuel said, no, you didn't. And so Samuel went over there with a sword and cut the king's head off. They like that part. You, you, you exposed them to things like that or telling them about different things within the Bible they didn't know about. They like, I hate to say it this way, but they like the gross facts. But they're being exposed to even more truth of the Bible. Did Samuel go over there and, and follow God's command, which Saul should have? He absolutely did. You get to the teen class, and our teen class is going to be exposed to, or at least starting to be exposed to, critical thinking. As a matter of fact, uh, here recently, they had a class on um, uh, the, uh, the, the practices and beliefs of Islam. 
and how it opposed what the Bible would teach. Why would they need to know that? Do you know how far away we are in the city of Gadsden from a mosque? Well, simply stated, the reason why they need to know those things is because this is the world in which they live. They're going to have to be able to interact with these folks and hopefully eventually get a a shoe in there so they can teach them the gospel. And so from newborns even to their teenage class, these truths are building on top of each other for one specific reason. So that we have the opportunity to not only rear our children in the glory of God, but to teach them what the right thing is, and hopefully one day they will obey it, and they'll be strong, healthy Christians. You move and leave out that teen class, and you come here, and I ask you questions, and you look at me like, why is he asking me this? Because from cradle roll all the way through our adult class, when you get here, I expect, and you would expect to be able to put all of those things together, to be able to apply those scriptures so that you and I can can learn more together as we study God's Word. And so I'm grateful for those men and women and those students who don't come to my class. Because they are learning the very fundamentals of, of what God's law is and what God's word says. We are blessed beyond measure to have students here in our classes. To have students in our cradle row class. And have students in our four or five year old class and I were, I skipped one. Um, like first grade to third grade or something like that. Easton's class. We're blessed to have kids in those classes and kids in our teenage class. But you know what? We could always have more. We we'll always love to have visitors and we'll always love to have more folks into those classes so that we can teach more. And we're very blessed to have teachers. Although we could use more. Our teachers do an excellent job and sometimes they do an excellent job all year. And we could use more of those. We're blessed to have helpers. When they're needed. And the fact of the matter is, once again, we could always use more. And so as we are blessed to have uh, those men and women teaching and those boys and girls in our classes, we could always uh, use more. Now for the adults. What does an adult get out of teaching a Bible class? Well, I'm glad you asked that. Being a teacher in a local Bible class is an important work for the, for the church and for this adult because, number one, it's commanded by God. You look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 28 and 29. Turn over there with me, if you will. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 28 and 29. And you'll read this. And God has set some of the church, first apostles, secondary prophets, third, teachers. Notice this. After that, miracles, gifts of healing, helps, governments, diversities of all tongues, are all apostles? Absolutely not. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Are all workers of miracles? Then he goes on to ask if all have gifts of healing and all that type of thing. The fact of the matter is the teacher found within the local Bible class 
is fundamental. You can find it also in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse number 12, where we have, as a local congregation need teachers. He said, well, preacher, I don't think 1 Corinthians chapter 12 was talking about teaching the young. Really? I think 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28 and 29 deals with teaching of all ages. Young included. We as parents and we as uh, are, are commanded to, to teach our young. Or is it not the case then that uh, the Bible class teacher would be taught the same thing? You look at some the idea of being teachers in First Corinthians or First Timothy chapter four and verse three. You'll read trial spirits and figure out whether some are false, some are not. Second Peter chapter two and verse one. We're in the same idea. The fact of the matter is, while there are teachers found and there are teachers who do a good job, there can be teachers who are found to be false. Now, take into consideration this too, because this. Even happened within our class, our adult class over the past couple of weeks. There have been some teachers who just make mistakes. That'd be me. I don't necessarily consider myself a false teacher. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I told you about uh, the the Israelite as he would uh, take his bread and, and crumble it up and throw it across the the flooded plain there. And when the when the waters went down, that seed. Would uh, would fertilize the ground. I told you that as truth, and I was mistaken on that. I had the wrong people, the wrong place, and the wrong idea about the bread. And let me clear that up. It was Egyptians, and it was when the delta would flood, and they would make a cake out of the seed they had left over, so that it would stay in one place, and then they would distribute it like that. Not one that had already been through the fire and had burned out the seed. See. I wasn't trying to tell you something that was wrong. I was just mistaken. And while there are false teachers, and they can be found, we have a group of teachers found within our congregation that I would say are second to none. Men go and teach women who go and teach those who teach from the cradle row all the way through the, the teen class and, and, and get those children uh, prepared for what God would expect from His servant and for the adult. Being a local Bible teacher, Bible class teacher, is so very important. You are shaping the knowledge and the mindset of not only those who would become Christians later, but those even who would leave the church later, those who might preach later, those who might be married to elders and preachers later, those who themselves might become Bible class teachers later on. And so for the adult, it's a very uh, rewarding process. Well, for the student, what is there? Well, Bible class with an exciting Bible teacher is fun. We're commanded to teach our children, but we're not commanded how. You see, God doesn't say, use uh, the Living Way Bible material and use it only. doesn't say, use this Bible material and use it only. Use just the Bible and don't use any material. We're taught we can learn by song, can't we? 
Notice this. Probably the greatest fundamental lesson found for the Christian today. Probably the greatest fundamental lesson has been taught to us in a song. And we don't understand really how deep the song is when we sing, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Within just that short framework of that one lyric of that song, we find out about the love of God and Jesus for us. We find out about the, the truthfulness of the Bible. And we find out that all of those things were given simply for us. Because that's the love that the Father has. That's the love that the sacrifice has. That's the love that's exposed within God's truth. And it's exposed for me. We learn about intriguing tales from God's Word. We learn about a man with seven braids. Who's very strong. And I attempted earlier this month to follow in his path for a month and have full out Nazarite November. You've heard of no shave November. I decided no haircut or no shave at all. And then my face started itching. And I said, no, I've got to get rid of this, this little scraggly beard that has to go. You learn about a man who may or may never have seen even the Mediterranean Sea. And God's come, God comes to him and says, build a large enough boat to save humanity and the animals. You, you learn intriguing stories like, there was nothing and then God spoke. Simply by speaking. The, the, the amount of power and majesty is found simply in the voice of God that everything then is created. You, are, you learn intriguing stories like an old man been faithful to God all his life. They said, if you pray, we're going to feed you to the lion. And so he prays. They put him in those lines. Come back the next day and he's still there. You learn intriguing stories about this baby who was born somewhere in Bethlehem. Seeming like any other baby. And you watch his life as he grows. You watch his life as he becomes the mouthpiece of God being the very Son of God. You watch his death. And as sad as that is when they place that lifeless body of Jesus of Nazareth in that tomb. Can you imagine the rejoicing that there was amongst those 527 plus when they saw a raised and triumphant Christ for 40 days after his death? Intriguing stories from God's Word. You learn from questions and answers. As a matter of fact, I heard of a question that I'm going to put into the question box from the teenage class that was remarkable. And when we have our question and answer session, 
uh, here at the end of the month, we're going to study that question because it, it's, it's such a remarkable question. It needs to be studied. You and I learn when we ask questions, well, what about this and what about that? And we understand about God's Word. We as students understand and we begin to understand the reasoning behind Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse number 7 when God says to the Israelites, you teach your children when they, when they wake up, when they go to sleep, when they walk in the way, when they're sitting down, when they're standing up, you keep God and His law ever before them and teach them about me. And so, as the student looks at the Bible, he understands the, the purpose behind that. The, the uh, teacher understands the purpose behind molding those minds that way. Notice this. Here's another good reason for a localized Bible class. There's a relationship that's being built between the, the class teacher and the student that should only be rivaled by the relationship between the mother and the father and the child. The, the student should be able to go to that Bible class teacher and talk to them and tell them anything. The best relation outside the home should be between that Bible class teacher and that student. You know, I've heard over time after time that it takes a village to raise a child. I don't know if that's true. Uh, maybe, maybe not, but I can tell you this, it certainly takes a church a congregation to rear a child properly. There are people, young folks, there are people who sit in this auditorium who would be tickled pink if you would ask them to help. If they were able to help you in your life some kind of way, if they knew that they had a, a, a relationship with you to that, that extent to where you would come to them and you would ask them, it would make their day. And one of them stands up here every week. Let me tell you what uh, one of our elders said two or three weeks ago. As we were talking about our youth, youth group that we have here. He said, we ain't got a dud in the lot. That's pretty true. Every single one of them, every single one of them are good kids. Every single one of them do what they're supposed to do. Every single one of them exude the example they're supposed to, even to their friends. Do they invite them? Yes. Do they come? Yes. Do they shame me at times for not? The relationship that's built between the teacher and the student is phenomenal. Notice this. Is Bible class really that important? Does it really matter? I don't have enough room on this slide to write the word yes enough times. Bible class, not only for the information and the education that's going on there, but for the relationship and for the growth that's going on there, it is so very, very important. Turn over to the book of Ephesians, if you will. And we're going to look at Galatians also. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 15. I'd like for you to read that to, uh, with me. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number uh, 15, 14 starting. It says, For this cause I bow knee unto the Father 
of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. What a great idea. You and I as family of God Himself have opportunity to teach our younger brothers and sisters about our Heavenly Father. In Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 10, here's what you'll read. As we therefore have opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially them who are of the household of faith. And you say, well, preacher, that has everything to do with benevolence. And let me tell you this, it has everything to do with Bible class. As we have opportunity to do good unto all even our young ones. Let's take that opportunity. You know, every year we have a, a, a list that comes out of around this time for people to sign up for the next year. And sometimes we have difficulty filling those spots in reality. We ought to be able to, we ought to have to turn folks away. If Galatians 10 or 6.10 is any wise truthful, as we have opportunity to do good for those who are younger than us, those who are who are being taught the gospel, shouldn't we take the time to do that for them too? Oh, it's very important. The important is to cement the idea of the, the family of God, that the nature of the church. And we should be concerned for every member of the family of God and every member of the families who make up the family of God here at this congregation. How can I help, preacher? I'm glad you asked that. Sign up to teach class. When that list comes out, it'll be a grand total of 13 Sundays or 13 Wednesdays. And that's it, out of 52. Well, I, I don't teach very well. That's fine. We need helpers all the time. Sign up to be a helper. Help somebody out. A uh, helper is uh, one, of obviously, who helps in class while things are going on. Who could be a substitute if that teacher was out? You can do that. How can I help? Go to class prepared. This is for the adults and the kids. And this is for the adults in my class and the teacher in my class, too. Go to class prepared. Be ready for that class. Be ready uh, to discuss the things... Uh, they're found within the Bible. If you're in my class, read ahead a couple of chapters. See where we're going. If you're in those other classes that have a book, read read that uh, that week's lesson and, and be prepared to, to teach those things as an adult, but be prepared to study those things as a child. How else can I help, preacher? Pray for the students. In the classes, pray for the students, even from the cradle roll on up. Pray for them by name. That they learn, that they grow, that they become uh, old enough to understand right from wrong, and that they choose the path that God would have them on, that path of righteousness, that path of salvation. Pray for those students. And then on the side of that, Pray for the teachers. That's a difficult job. When we were 
in the Memphis School of Preaching. We worked at a place in Mississippi called Nesbitt, Mississippi. Nesbitt, Mississippi had folks who were upset. The teachers were upset because they could only teach once every couple of years because they had so many people to sign up and the congregation wasn't much bigger than ours. But they had a group of four and five-year-old boys who were rough as a corn cob. I mean, they were, they were, they were boys. You know, they would run around, they would holler, they were boys. That's what they do. And all of those little spaces got filled up on the sign up to, to teach list. Except for that four and five year old class. And everybody kind of look at it and go, ah, I, don't, I don't know about that. So, David Jones comes to me and says, you're teaching the adult class. I said, okay. So I taught the adult class for a quarter. And he went in the four and five year old class. And it was a tough class. And they would be boys and they would get up and they would rough house and they would run around. And when it was time to study, well, they would study. <coughs> and he geared those studies toward what those boys would like to learn. You know, cutting heads off and that kind of thing. And he'll tell you even to this day that's probably the most rewarding class he had. Even as tough as it was. And he taught at the school of preaching. Can you imagine that? He had the opportunity to mold those, mold those children. But there were a lot of prayers that went up for him in that class for that specific purpose. Not only pray for our students, pray for our teachers. It's a hard job. It's a hard job. And we should be willing and ready to do those things. So when that list comes out or whenever it does, sign up and teach. Enjoy it. It'll be a fun and fantastic time. And I am glad. I am thankful for the folks who are not here in my adult class. For the adults who are not here, you know what that means? They're molding our young ones. For the young ones who are not here, you know what that means? They're learning those basic steps in order to become a Christian and live faithfully. I am so grateful for our Bible classes.